This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. It's Thanksgiving in the United States. And we've got some Turkey Day nonsense, as well as an actual listener question about pre-med jobs. With me today, we've got new podcasters, PA1 Ethan Shazik. Hello, everybody. And M1 Matt Engelkin. Howdy. And over here, we've got MD, PhD student Riley Bean. Why, hello there. All dressed up in their... Buckle hats and shoes. <laughs> Pilgrim outfits. Pilgrim outfits, yes. as is traditional in America. If you're listening <laughs> right. from overseas, I don't know if you realize this, but on Thanksgiving, it is traditional to wear uh, black buckle hats and buckle shoes because we're fancy that way. We're committing to the bit. Yeah. The bit. <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure you shine your shoes all nice uh-huh. and such. Have your buckles really great. It's a yeah. whole thing. I think I actually did that in grade school. Not the you know, buckle hats and yeah, shoes. Yeah, the buckle hats yeah, and yeah. shoes. Yeah, for sure. You were, really you were, we were all in a pageant <laughs> that completely whitewashed American history. Right. Yeah, completely got the whole yeah. story I, That's actually wrong. exactly how it went down, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll be, as I say, it will be Thanksgiving Day when this is released and Americans will be enjoying our traditional holiday belly fullness. It's a time for gathering with family and friends and to give thanks for the revisions to our history and mythical holiday hogwash that enable us to enjoy green bean casserole and uh, other even less, even more palatable things. So let's put our noobs on the spot, though. Ethan. Yes, why don't we? Will you answer some questions for me? I like to get to know our, our new podcasters. Where are you from? Where'd you go to undergrad? What made you choose your path? And uh, what are you most looking forward to eating on Thanksgiving? All valid questions. Yeah, so I was born in small town Nebraska and lived there for the first few years of my life. Which town in Nebraska, Ethan? Don't try to hide right, your Nebraska. Right. So the town I lived in is called Hooper, Nebraska. I think yeah. when I exited Hooper, Nebraska, it was population 400. Nice. I was like three or four years old. So 399 after that. Yeah, so like yeah. a big city. Like, okay. like the nightlife was pretty crazy. They lost crazy. like a good percentage of their population when you yeah. left. Like more so than most cities. Right. So. It, it was a big hit when, yeah. when we left. Yeah. 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 It was really sad yeah. for everyone yeah. involved. I know. Damn, I lost another Nonetheless, my family's been in the Des Moines area for basically my whole entire life. Ankeny, Iowa, if anyone knows. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yes, yes, basically the nexus of suburbia. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. But then I went uh, to the University of Iowa for undergrad. Uh-huh. And yeah, I'm in the PA program, like Dave said. That was kind of a late idea that popped in my head. I really didn't know what that profession entailed until maybe my junior year of college. Yeah. Yeah, so I like worked a little bit in the emergency room after and... And all that, and now I have the luxury of being here with these bright individuals. So. What uh, and and your the thing you're most looking forward to eating on Thanksgiving? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So back to Nebraska lore. There's this. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with something called a runza. No. Hit okay. me. It's basically it's like a fast food deal, but <laughs> so they have them popped up everywhere in Nebraska. But my grandma Shazik 
makes like a runza casserole and basically it's just like an oniony like normal casserole but that's what she always makes and we always compliment her i'm afraid i'm not getting a very good picture of this Uh, yeah it's like a hot pocket isn't it it's basically like a hot pocket this is all i've heard i've again lore i've never had one myself but all i've heard is that it's a hot pocket it's kind of nebulous i don't know if anyone knows exactly what's in it it's a it's some sort of pastry with some sort of onion onion based filling i i I would say i I love it yeah it's good okay i'm gonna okay I'm really excited now. Big time. <laughs> Viewers, you can't see Dave's face, but he's very excited. I'm very excited. Salivating. What about you, Mr. Matt? Well, if we're going back all the way like you think. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, Life history. was born in Florida. I grew Ooh. up in DeLand, Florida, till I was seven. And then after that, I moved to Dubuque, Iowa, which is my dad's hometown. Uh-huh. Um, and a fun fact, kind of continuing to the undergrad question, before we even had a house in Iowa, my dad bought season tickets to the football games. So... This is your 15 with uh, football tickets. I can see Dave shaking his Jesus head. But Christ. <laughs> Priorities were straight there. I mean, Priorities are straight. So my dad, proud Iowa alum. Here I am, proud like, I, Iowa alum. I don't want to talk bad about your dad, but that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you... What are you most look? Oh, did we get to your undergrad? Yeah, we did. I talked about Iowa. See what made me choose MD. My dad is a radiologist, so I grew up around the in the hospital setting. Yeah. He really liked it, so it was pretty easy for me to choose. But I like to think I'm my own person, so it's a lie. You but you know, <laughs> yeah. jealous. Did, did you did did your would your was your father fully on board with the physician thing, or was he, he one was. of those who was like, oh, I would never tell. <laughs> no, he was. He still wants me to be a radiologist. But I actually want to talk to people. So yeah, um, yeah. You do have colleagues in radiology. You, you, you know. I know there he, is that possibility of talking he, to people. Though. He keeps saying that he talks to the techs, but I don't believe him on that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just so far. I've really enjoyed talking to patients, talking to other like members of the healthcare community. Okay. So that's really what's driving me to want to be a physician. Awesome. And your favorite Thanksgiving thing to eat that you will be enjoying? I'm a big fan of mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah, so. Maybe. Going yeah. classic. Okay. Okay, what gravy? There's way more permutations of mashed potatoes and gravy. Chunky mashed potatoes or not, chunky gravy or not, white or brown gravy. Mm. There's a lot of options here. All mashed potatoes are good. Okay. Um, so we'll go with that. I'd say brown gravy okay. is my favorite, mm-hmm. but once again, there's no such thing as bad mashed potatoes and gravy. Unless like well, the potatoes are cooked real bad. Yeah. I have I have failed at potatoes before, so you look it like turns you would have failed at potatoes. <laughs> I'm not a great, I'm not a great cook, but it turns out if you what an important lesson I learned: if you cook the potatoes and then leave them on the stove while you do other things where it's hot, but not necessarily cooking, mm-hmm. it does turn into glue. What? It's, yes, glue. Glue. It's like it turned into what I can only describe as glue. So. Mm. Just take them out, you know, you stop the cooking, basically, is what I'm saying. In a, fun, in a fun story related to cooking, my old roommate, when he was learning how to cook, decided that when the noodles were done cooking, you just leave it in the hot water, and then was shocked when they all turned out like a big old glob of yeah, overcooked noodles. That's the sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. And, you know, we know your stories, you guys, but what, Riley, what are you going to eat for Thanksgiving that you're looking forward to? Gosh, what am I really looking forward to? I'm a big fan of the good old classic green bean casserole. Like, ah, 
I'm a Midwest girl through and through. I love a casserole. Mm -hmm. Anything that's just thrown in a dish, I'm going to eat it. Like, it's it's the best. It's the cream of mushroom, the green beans, the crispy onions on top. Okay. All I'm looking forward to. Okay. Noah? I'm kind of a stuffing guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've started last two two years three years I've made my own for it, which um really fun like okay. you eat a lot of, use a lot of fresh herbs you know it's we have a we have a, a sort of stuffing that's actually a, uh it's really a bread pudding but a mm. savory bread pudding oh okay. um and it's got a lot of cheese in it and uh-huh. a lot of onions and a lot of bread and a lot of eggs and just turns into a delightful almost like a, it's something more like a casserole i mean yeah you know? but it, it's solid casserole it's solid <laughs> uh, scoop it out okay you know, solid. <laughs> what are yeah. you most looking forward to dave that's the one that's, okay, that's the, the one, one. Yeah. that's the one that is that's it. our that's <laughs> our 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 iowa etler family go-to and there's only the four of us in iowa so yeah, actually right. that's not true there are etlers in western iowa who mm. i've never met <laughs> Because, ew. Right. <laughs> yeah, because why would you say hi to your family that's also in Iowa? I mean, you know, look. Family's only fun when they're from far away. <laughs> why would, you know, I'm going to go up to these people that are complete strangers and say, hi, I'm Dave. I'm, I'm you, is basically what I'm saying. And they're, yeah, and they're, I think they'll love you. I think be, yeah. because and, of that. And they're just going to be like, all right, liberal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just plug the pod in the first sentence and yeah. they'll be Get them on the podcast. DNA is not even real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are I mean, you know, they don't know me. I don't know them. Yeah. All we've got in common is probably a zillionth of a DNA or uh, uh, what do you call them? Gene. Gene. So. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, to Thanksgiving and I'm looking forward to this listener question. In September, Stephanie wrote to us about her plans to jump right from high school to sophomore in college and then right into medical school at a very young age. She's back with a question. Let's hear from Stephanie. Hey there. So this is Stephanie. I called a few months, weeks ago, question mark. And just a little background on my story. I am a high school senior, but I'm doing early admissions at my local university, University of Central Florida. Go Knights. And I am a standing late sophomore, meaning that I'm supposed to graduate in fall of 2023, I think. And my major is neuroscience, and I want to go to med school. But I have a few questions for y'all. So I might be interested in doing an MD-PhD program, but from the people I have asked, they don't have a lot of information on what that entails throughout my educational journey. Do I need a master's? What does my career look like afterwards? So yeah, if you guys could answer that for me, that'd be great. I know there's a few PhD MD students on the podcast. And also, what kind of medical jobs can I get as an undergrad that would benefit me as a pre-med? I'm only 17 right now. So this is for when I turn 18, because I like to plan ahead, just like all good pre-med students. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Always enjoy the show. Thank you for answering my questions. Hi, Dave. Hi. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of questions there that I sort of glossed over in the intro. Riley is our <laughs> as our MD PhD student. Yes, I am. I'm going to rely heavily on you. It's only fair for this. Oh. So, uh, I guess first of all, there's the question of whether or not a master's degree or any sort of additional education is necessary in order to start the MD PhD journey. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Is it 
As far as master, so a good question to start. Yeah. Off. Oh, okay. yeah. No, All no, right. no. I'm gonna back say gonna be take back what I just said. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. no, masters is definitely not necessary. I personally mm-hmm. do not have a masters. I came straight from undergrad, so I didn't have any time in between for a post back program or any additional research. So no, a masters is absolutely not needed. You are not expected to have a masters. You are only really expected to have some research experience and by some I mean quite a bit of research experience (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not just kind of the typical research tech experience but more so research as an undergrad in which you're actually contributing to the science you're Mm -hmm. actually thinking about ways then which you can solve the problems and work on the experiments and put yourself at the forefront of the science that is being done in a Mm -hmm. lab as opposed to just simply kind of doing tasks for that lab but that's kind of the distinction that you'll find I'm not 100% familiar with Central Florida, but go Knights, I'll I'll say it for you. (laughs) And so I would definitely recommend that you, the first thing you should do kind of once you're there is start to look for labs that you're interested Mm -hmm. in. When looking for a lab, I think I would focus on what mentors do you really see yourself jiving well with, Mm -hmm. not just the cool research that is out there. Because if you find a really good mentor that believes in you, and knows you want to be an integral part of the research, like that's going to take you a lot further than just joining, quote unquote, a cool lab that's doing cool science, Mm -hmm. but also has a hundred people working for it. So kind of to go back, no, master's is not necessary. Yes, research is very necessary and would highly recommend that you kind of seek that out almost immediately once you get there, if that is something you're interested in. And that that answers the paid the, the jobs question, yeah, basically, right. is what. Yeah. Well, I have a question, too. Like, yeah. I think, because I, I, when I was applying, initially was, like, considering MD-PhD. It's pretty unusual, right? Or, I don't know, for students to go straight through to an MD-PhD, right? Because I think a lot of the folks that I was talking to when I was looking into it, like, usually take a couple of years off in between. Is that yes. true? Yeah. And that's kind of true across the board, it seems like, for right. medical schools now, is that people are getting older and just having mu- a wider breadth of experiences mm-hmm. before coming in. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say my situation is a little obscure in the sense of our cohort that has joined. Maybe at least 70% of people took a gap year or two or three. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of has become more of the norm because... A lot of people don't know what they want to do with their life until much later. And Mm. Stephanie, it's awesome that you kind of have this clear vision of what you want to do. She sure does. She hasn't wavered from this, even though our advice to her in the last show basically boiled down to uh, slow down, girl. Enjoy (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy life a little bit. Look, look, I can respect that. You know, she knows what she's want. She knows what she wants and she's going to go for it. I personally have never known what I want. I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And so here I am. The benefit for you, Stephanie, is that you are so young and you're already thinking about these things. So Mm -hmm. it wouldn't actually hurt to kind of build in a gap year or two into your life's vision. It Mm -hmm. actually might even make you kind of feel happier and allow you more time to explore just things that you're more interested in. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the MD PhD programs are not just going to look that you did wonderful research. They're going to look that you did wonderful things for yourself as a human because it's Mm -hmm. a really long road. It's seven, eight plus years of your life dedicated to this just school training, not including residency. So they want to know that you've been able to live life before that. They want to see that you were able to experience Mm -hmm. other things outside of just research. And so I would definitely recommend not just looking for jobs, but also looking for 
fun life experiences that you can throw in there to make yourself well we we joyful. already we already beat that horse for <laughs> for stephanie and she uh clearly is less interested in that yeah in that advice and that's fine yeah stephanie you go girl well i i wonder if you so you've been in the phd phase yes for I am. what a year no, it's been like <laughs> six years, months six now. Months? Okay. So I'm just finishing up my first semester of grad school classes mm-hmm. and such. Do you have any sense of the, the the downsides of the PhD phase in terms of the speed bumps that you will run into and the roadblocks and things like that in your research? Or yeah, they're starting to get a lot more clear as you're kind of right in the middle of it. And so... I would say some of the roadblocks that I see just kind of mentally coming up in my mind are my friends are starting to think about graduating. Mm-hmm. They're starting to think about what residencies they want to so apply to. Them. I know. I'm like, you're going to leave me? Slow down. Yeah. So that has started to become just a little sad to see your friends. You're, you're both really happy for them. You want mm-hmm. everything in the world for them. Yet you're a little sad because you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm still going to be here for many more years. Mm-hmm. I got news for you, though. <laughs> The, I'd love it. the older I get, the 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 less stable everybody is around you in terms of the people who exist in in your sphere. Is that supposed to be comforting? No, okay. <laughs> I just want to I just want to warn you that okay. that becomes less and less of a factor. Like I used to get super depressed in like in May when all of the med my my med student buds graduated, and I'd be like, I'm still here. <laughs> Darn it. It's like bitter. And now I'm like, see ya, there's more right behind you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's what I'll write in my friends' cards when they oh, graduate. Yeah. See ya, there's always more. Don't let more the door hit you in the <laughs> I guess the other thing is, I mean, there's there's also research roadblocks. I mean, there's oh, I, I feel like one of the things I've heard over the years is you've got to be a very resilient Mm-hmm. against disappointment when oh, absolutely. you're a, a researcher a phd yeah i had a whole experiment fail last week like it just didn't work and, and sometimes it just keeps failing and, and it just failing. keeps failing mm-hmm. and you get to around thanksgiving break and you're like all right i gotta try to fit one more thing in and so yeah it's it definitely takes a huge sense of resiliency and so for me that was kind of garnered from sports my whole life and being told I don't know. You're worthless by coaches, I guess. For so, like no, when I, I made I, a bad pass, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, if they said it, who yeah. can? People aren't going to tell me things that bad in research. So cells can't hurt me that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well. And so I would say, looking for ways in which you can build resiliency, especially just like through research and through failure. There's something to be said that failure is like the most important learning aspect to being human. Yeah. And seeking it out can actually be really beneficial because the more times you realize that you will fail, the more you realize that when you're worried about failing in the future, it's not that scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I could psychoanalyze Stephanie here for a minute, she's a go getter. She knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. She's got definite ideas about her path and what her life is going to be like. And so, you know, I'm happy to give her the warning that not everything goes smoothly in the PhD phase and you don't discover amazing things and you Mm -hmm. don't, you know, change the world necessarily, but you're going to learn a lot still about how to do research and how to be, you know, a scientist. And that's the real goal, I think. Absolutely. That's the whole goal of a PhD. Nobody tells you that until you get there, but nobody cares what you discover. It's did you become a good researcher at the end of it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what papers you wrote, 
in some it does, ways. It, it does. does. It does. Okay, it does. I shouldn't say it. That's it does, like but it does. Me trying mean, to make yeah. myself feel better. Yeah. No, but it do, it definitely matters more. Did you learn the skills that it takes to be a genuinely good researcher and to think critically mm. about the world and medicine around you? Yep. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. Did I? Did we hit all of her questions? I mean, we could talk about pre-med jobs. The jobs. Yeah, I think that oh, would be yeah, another yeah, yeah. one just to expand upon just not MD-PhD yeah. jobs. There yeah. are paid yeah. research jobs, so... Try to seek those out for yeah. those that are interested in research, but never, uh, never do research for free. If like if someone the, the oh, work really? that you do as an undergraduate researcher is like so valuable. Absolutely. And I think and I mean, my, my I myself is like a content <laughs> doing research for free and like my freshman and sophomore years. And then like my junior and senior years, I was like, oh, wait, I can get paid actually a pretty decent amount of money for contributing because you are a big part of that team. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, PI in undergrad said never do anything for free. Yeah. I think like in general as a pre-med and now as med students, our time is way too valuable mm-hmm. um, for people to take advantage of it. And obviously things like volunteering your time mm-hmm. are important. But if there's times where you can get paid, you should get paid because yeah. we're all valuable. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Ethan, what did you do? Uh, as a job yeah for jobs yeah so stephanie first of all i want to say if i had like an inkling of your drive and ambition when i was 17 my life would have been probably a lot different Uh, (laughs) kudos to you i just remember being in a constant state of vertigo up and maybe until like last year in terms of like basically my life has not been that structured so kudos to you but in terms of jobs the pa school and pa schools across the country are a little bit different in the fact that they will set a requirement for the number of patient care hours mm. that you're supposed to achieve before and it's a certain lot. school. And it's a lot. Yes, it's a lot, and it increases every year. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of one of those deals where they're like, yeah, we require 1,000 or we require 500, and then you look at the school's average and it's like 8,000. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I kind of got lucky because I more or less started accumulating those hours before I was like set in stone and doing the PA path mm, in the first place. Mm-hmm. So what I did in undergrad, I believe when I was a sophomore, yeah, when I was a sophomore was I worked at a plasma donation center mm-hmm. and it's like still to this day, like my favorite job of all time. Um, like I want to talk to sophomore year, Ethan, just be like, oh my God, I look up to you so much. <laughs> but basically it was your job. It's it's honestly kind of a manufacturing job more than anything because you're taking this plasma that'll be harvested and then it'll be made into phar- pharmaceuticals for uh, patients for a plethora of reasons. But basically your job besides impaling people with a needle is to talk to strangers for 10 minute bouts at a time all day, every day, whether you want to or not that particular day. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, it was really, really fun. selling it. Yeah. Really sorry. Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, introverts I, are hating. Yes, right I love it. We had we had a ton of introverts as well. So that's a job that I am super thankful for. I would have enjoyed that. Uh, uh, yeah, honestly, yes. like, yeah, like I like, like talking job. to people. Ten minutes. Yeah. That's like microdosing conversations. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes, that's it's perfect. great. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was really fun. And then I did that for a couple of years, and then I moved on to work in an emergency room as an ER tech. Mm-hmm. So I got my EMT around that time. But uh, we certainly had texts that Stephanie are around your age, like 18, maybe 19 years old. And again, that was a super valuable mm-hmm. experience that I draw upon in school yeah. daily. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of options. What about you guys? 
Yeah. A lot of my jobs actually were outside of the medical field. I guess a pro slash, I don't know, something different than the PA path is that we ha- didn't have, like, you don't have explicit requirements. And so you can kind of dabble around, do random odd things here and there. Right. Like I was a resident assistant my sophomore year, which I, w- I thought that was like an infinitely valuable experience to be <laughs> tasked with the care <laughs> of, uh, you know, 38. Yes, it was very important. The very important task of ignoring the alcohol violations. <laughs> yeah. what it was. Being like, I don't see it. Yes. La, see la, 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 it. La, la, Knowing la. when and where to step in. It's yeah. all very valuable. No, like yeah, like yeah, to to be genuine about it first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it yeah, actually no. is. It actually well, yeah. Like I, I you gotta have a lot of like hard, challenging conversations with folks. Like people coming to you with advice, and you're like, I'm in a year older than you. Like, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not that dramatically. If I had different headspace, but yeah. So I, I had, I did that. Did a lot of research work as well. I think that's always something super valuable when you're going the MD route. Did you what did you do also a lot of research uh-huh. for a little bit i was thinking md phd as well mm. so it calls us down. all it does siren off in the distance yeah. you know you shouldn't swim too yeah but, right. it's, it's, something, it's always something to consider right yeah, yeah the and first time you do it. research and actually do some good research and you're like whoa this is amazing yeah um, and then and then you for me it was i i did my first like project where i had to go through the irb and like see it through and i was like this is it <laughs> i can't i can't it's do this the rest me. of my life i heard there's no bureaucracy whatsoever involved no it's, in it. it's oh, famously sure. really straightforward of course, yeah. yeah famously no politics at all yeah Duh. nothing <laughs> but one thing that i like absolutely love doing in undergrad another thing that wasn't as like straightforward as mm. a lot of med students experiments is for three years I was a tutor and I so I was an engineer as an undergrad which was also I guess there's a, lot, a few engineers in our cohort mm, but sure. I was a tutor for the engineering department and it was really cool because it was kind of like drop-in office hours almost mm. so people would be coming in and be like I have no clue what I'm doing and so then it was like it was kind of like a, a quick little way to be like, all right, calm down. We got you. Let's work through this. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. I've noticed like a lot of it. School, <laughs> yeah. To be honest. Just hear it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. A, a, a lot of it's been coming out like when I'm talking to like VSPs for mm. like CAPS and like other yeah, patients. The, they're the, the simulated patients simulated. for standardized yeah. patients. For, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess SPs come in and like they're actors, I guess, and they come in with uh, their own like set of issues, kind of like you're talking to an actual patient. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was good practice having people mm-hmm. come in that are just worried. They're mm-hmm. like they don't know what's happening, and you can work them through it. And obviously, half the job is getting them to a point where they're like competent and comfortable. But the other half is just making sure that they're like happy, I guess, mm-hmm. or. Because it's really easy to get stressed. I mean, in med school, we get stressed all the time. Right. But having somebody else be like, I understand you. I'm with you. I feel you uh-huh. is even like more valuable than just being taught something. Because as soon yeah. as you know that somebody else is in your position, then it's easier to learn once you feel like your position's justified. Mm-hmm. So that was a super valuable experience. I loved that so much. And I'm really hoping that it continues to yeah. make me a better clinician. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, and I, I think too that's like a a good recommendation is that your jobs don't have to explicitly be in like medicine. It can, certainly can help. You know, I think like a lot of ad comms though, or that's all they're probably going to be seeing is people who have done worked in you know whatever as like a CNA or yeah. whatever. And so I think that's a very um, and I mean a lot of people apply because it is a good experience. But I think don't be afraid to have the job experiences that are outside of that wheelhouse as well because those can be really valuable learning experiences. And there's always like. I- research volunteering and stuff that gets you some of that more clinical exposure as well i think the the 
my guess is that the good pre-med jobs are one that the ones that demonstrate your ability to take on responsibility mm-hmm. ones that demonstrate your ability to interact with other people uh-huh. and just basically demonstrate your that you are a uh, positive influence on your world mm-hmm. and and so if you find a job that has all three of those that just because it's it's not a you know medical or medical adjacent job mm-hmm. it's probably still a pretty good job when i was a student at at umass i was a bus driver mm-hmm. and and then i became the head of the special transportation service the vans for people with disabilities and then i became a trainer and then i became the head of the training department and mm-hmm. then i quit all of that glamorous stuff to come here but the corporate ladder but the point is that it was an increasing level of responsibility mm-hmm. and expertise required and so it just i think that would be you know among the jobs that people would be like oh that's interesting to me that you had this that this yeah. set of responsibilities in your previous life yeah. um it, it, you know it wouldn't some- be so crazy to think that that person could become a med student right or you know it's always all about how like, you spin it. Yeah, you write about it. It always as is. Well. Yeah, I think there's something to be said too. Like, oftentimes we forget medicine is a service industry. Yeah. Uh-huh. We are giving service to others. So, right. if you find any job that is within the service industry, like a common one could be like being a waiter or waitress. Like, that is a service to other people. You learn mm-hmm. how to communicate with people, you learn how to take responsibility, and how to you manage can emotions. easily spin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, manage emotions. You can easily. <clears throat> gain something valuable from mm-hmm. that experience that will make you a better physician in the future. So mm-hmm. don't just limit yourself to medical jobs unless you really genuinely like love that and want to do that. But mm-hmm. again, yeah, always, Stephanie's all about that, but yeah. it doesn't have to be, <laughs> doesn't have to be, it doesn't that. have to be that way. Kind um, of bouncing off that. Another thing to say is obviously there's a lot of pre-med jobs and a lot of pre-med opportunities. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think, don't think can be said enough is to make sure that whatever you're doing you really enjoy doing Mm -hmm. there's enough things to do Uh that and obviously sometimes you have to jump through the hoops and even if you don't want to you have to wake up at 8 a.m for a volunteer shift you're just hating but yeah like yeah you need to enjoy what you're doing and if you enjoy every job you have even if it's a job like it'll show that you enjoy what you're doing Mm -hmm. when it comes to waking up in the morning and actually doing it to the time that you get to interviews and you're talking about those experiences you've had you can have that passion that the admissions Mm -hmm. committees are actually looking for right plus you can it's always nice to enjoy your time (laughs) right life Uh, is what happens until medical school yeah yeah then it's just pure suffering (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is what's going on between the milestones you know yeah yeah that's a good point, Matt. Yeah. Anything else we wanted to want to tell Stephanie? Did we? Best of luck, Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. We're Stephanie sounds awesome already as a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. She sounds yeah. pretty cool. You're like my inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, you're getting after it. The only thing I would add is go nights. Go nights. <laughs> go nights. <laughs> Short coats. If you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys a little pop quiz. That's sick. A little pop quiz about there's not enough of those. And I mean, there really isn't. There really isn't. I've been through one Friday without a test, but here we are. Nope. You. (laughs) (laughs) 
We're doing a test. I'm ready. So let's, this is about Thanksgiving and, and Thanksgiving history. Let's see if you know the things that I found out from various, I'm assuming, reliable internet sources. Okay. All right. Which was not a feature of the early years of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City? Was it A, floats featuring humans dressed as turkeys being carved for dinner? B, pushing the tradition of Ragamuffin Day into, into obscurity? C, Santa being crowned as king of the kitties? Or D, live monkeys, bears, and elephants? This question is so upsetting yes, that there are three of these that are true. See, this, that's yes. a really great question asking format because it requires you to know all of the things, right? This is, it's, it's, it's great question design, Dave. Or, really, oh, yeah. You know, or just to know which one is the most unlikely. Right. 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 It's, again, great question design. I think in order to answer that question, I would have to know in the second question foil what a ragamuffin is. <laughs> Does anyone know what that is? A ragamuffin is a, is a, I guess it's probably a, like a, an archaic term for an unkempt child. Right. Oh, interesting. Oh probably. Is a, probably. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the. That's what it is. Okay, I think it, it has a connotation of, of uh, you know, sort of poor children. But, you know, any, I think anybody, any child who's like, who's, you know, just dirty and, and, and tousled and you mm. know, unkempt would be, could be called a ragamuffin, ragamuffin affectionately. Yeah. Right. I think I, I'm really doubting that humans were being dressed as turkeys and being practiced carved on for dinner. I mean, it you know, I, I'm terrifying. assuming it wouldn't like be real. That'd be pretty metal if it was real. I yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know, but <laughs> I, like, I want it to be yeah. real. The screams of Thanksgiving. Yes. yes. Who's doing the carving and like to the human? Is somebody running at the human um, with a knife? Like they probably had watering. somebody dressed so up in like a black buckle hat and shoes. And yeah, like, probably. It could have been one of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could have been one. That's of actually us. where I'm going after this pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta make it to the parade. Yeah, okay, team, a. do we have an answer? We have A? There's just, I'm going with B, personally. Can't be real. Mm-hmm. I'm going with B. Mm-hmm. Okay. The answer is A. Floats featuring humans dressed as turkeys being carved for dinner. That was not a thing. Ragamuffin Day in New York City was an activity for children between 1870 and 1920 that involved trick-or-treating while costumed as poor people. The whole tradition had kind of come to annoy New York City adults, especially in the 1930s Depression. And the Thanksgiving Day was pushed as an alternative to this sort of annoying tradition. Interesting. Mm. At the end of the parade, which also featured animals borrowed from the Central Park Zoo, Santa was enthroned as King of the Kitties at Macy's on 34th that. Street. That's very upsetting. King of me. the Kitties. That's disturbing to you, Riley. It's I can all, tell. Yeah, it's all Santa in general is, <laughs> as an adult, already kind of like a pedophilic figure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love it already. Kids sitting on his lap. Who's this person? I don't know. Okay. It's it's very king of the kitties. Hot yeah. hot take from Riley. Not a hot take. I, Look at I, any I, photo. I'm here for the hot takes. Pedophilic. Like, not even though. I mean, he just comes to your house unannounced when you're sleeping. It's not that. Bad. It's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong nothing with that weird at all. About it. all right, maybe it weird is about flag, it. I guess. All right. I mean, weird he sees you when he's sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yeah. I, I'm on board. I mean, I have been naughty. Thing. I have been. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all normal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine, like, nowadays, you know, being like, hey, we're going to have a parade and we're going to get some bears and shit (laughs) from the zoo. And we're going to just, you know, we're going to come through the street. And I'm sure nothing is dangerous about that. Right. No. And the lawyers being like, yeah, okay, Yeah. 
let's do that. As long as I mean, you don't own the bears, then yeah. you don't own them. I mean, yeah, right. exactly. Maybe the bears were for like population control for the ragamuffin antagonist. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. They would be, they're like, they would enough out of you. Stick them on the children. Bear. Yeah. Wait till you see this. <laughs> <laughs> Go pet that bear. All right. Next question. What song was originally written for Thanksgiving? Uh, Winter Wonderland, Jingle Bells, or Let It Snow? Oh. I just want to let everyone know that I am singing Jingle Bells in my head right now, mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. know which words are in there. Mm. I'm going to Let It Snow. Okay. I like Let It Snow as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like Winter Wonderland would be a good Thanksgiving song. Okay. Mm-hmm. And And... And Riley, Jingle you? Bells is just both of the other ones touch on the weather, and uh. it's just can't be that snowy. And well, that's because of the, it, it's it's only because of climate change. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, that's so true. I didn't take it. I gotta <laughs> think about gotta go back to winter time. Yeah. yeah. So I was born in Nebraska. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jingle Bells just to be different. Okay. Quirky. The answer is Jingle Bells. Wow. Two for two. MDP. Two for two. One Horse Open Sleigh was its original title, composed by James Pierpont in 1857 for children to sing on Thanksgiving. And it was such a hit that it was still being sung around Christmas. Two years later, it was renamed to Jingle Bells. Wow. I'm, I'm full of of internet acquired knowledge from yesterday afternoon <laughs> maybe the most i've learned all week yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right number three on thanksgiving we're supposed to be giving thanks which president thought that this was the most ridiculous idea ever conceived and refused to declare it a holiday was it abraham lincoln who felt there was little for Americans to be thankful for during the Civil War. Thomas Jefferson, who was vehemently opposed to it as an official holiday, as the prayers for thanks business would be a violation of the separation of church and state. Or was it George Washington, whose teeth were so bad he didn't care about such a food-centric holiday? Mm. A or B? What are we feeling? Yeah, it's definitely not feeling C. Not feeling C. Well, he did have bad teeth, though, (laughs) according to the history. Did he have any teeth? I thought they all fell out. Well, they were wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He famously wood had wooden teeth, which probably yeah. is not yeah. true. Dentists love that. I think that's probably not true. I think he did yeah. not have wooden teeth. Yeah. Would have been cool, though. I feel like I've read that that was a, that was a, a lie. It's like a the lie. precursor to grills. Yeah. It's going to be like the next TikTok sensation. <laughs> wood Guaranteed. Teeth. Wood teeth challenge. Finally, Go. my big TikTok idea. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Do you have any idea? I'm thinking B. It sounds sounds close. Also, like somewhere in the back of my mind, thought that Lincoln had something to do with Thanksgiving, but in a good way, not a bad way. Mm. So it's, we'll it's see, in a we'll good see if way. I'm making it up. <laughs> I guess in a good way for Thanksgiving, not in a yeah. good way for like yeah, the look, world. Yeah. I want to be. I want to be clear. Like the origins of Thanksgiving are, you know, they're apocryphal. They're a, a mix of apocrypha and and just revision. And all this kind of stuff. I still like Thanksgiving. So, you know, don't don't at me for, you know, putting Thanksgiving on blast here. Okay. I just, uh, you no, know. No, I think Thanksgiving, like the or- origination of it is definitely can be put on blast. Yeah. I think, we've, I think we've taken it and run with it. It's I feel like, like the whitewashing of the whole idea can be put on blast a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. We can put that on blast. Absolutely. So did we, I'm sorry, did we come up with it? I'll go with A, personally. I'm going to go with uh, 
be, and I'm trying yeah. to go through the script of Hamilton to remember what Thomas <laughs> Jefferson like was and was not for, but that's not it's a yeah, two-hour play. I, so. yeah. I'm gonna echo anything Riley says, so I will also go with B. Thank yeah. you so much. Of course. <laughs> wow. Okay. It was Thomas Jefferson who was vehemently opposed to it as an official holiday. <laughs> Also, since George Washington's presidency, Thanksgiving had to be declared every year by the president until Abe Lincoln declared it a national holiday in 1963. So I was right. Yeah, you were. FDR messed with the timing of Thanksgiving to lift the economy in 1939 during the Great Depression, moving it to the second to last Thursday. Right now, it's, of course, the last Thursday. So people had more time to shop before Christmas, and then everybody got pissed off and confused and just did it the usual way. So there's that. Uh, anyone from uh, nobody for here from Indianapolis? Nope. Uh, so that's good. In that city, that's good for the purposes of this question. Uh, in that in Indianapolis, there's a newish annual tradition of doing what with turkey corpses? A dressing it up like a baby, lighting it on fire, and then throwing it down a football field. B dangling a turkey from a helicopter over the Indiana Central Canal and allowing the citizenry to shoot it with a bow and arrow for prizes. C dressing a turkey up as a rich person and prosecuting it for tax evasion. <laughs> well, that would never happen. In or the US. D <laughs> uh, teams compete by tying them to rockets and firing them into the sky to see which team can get the farthest. B is like a yeah. public safety problem. Oh, I was going to say that. To listen to so, that's, <laughs> so that's probably right. What? I would yeah. say at least three of these are kind of public safety problem, but okay. I mean, yes, I agree. But like the bow and arrow, I'm picturing people on either side of the river. Oh, I'm picturing so, them on one side of the uh, river. Well, I'm picturing both sides uh-huh. and like arrows being shot and that's... people are not that great I, at shooting bow and arrow. I also, they're shooting assume... it in a helicopter. I feel like yeah. that's a slight <laughs> that's issue for the what pilot. I, be focusing on. I, I think we can we can basically we can basically deduce that no matter what it was, it was conceived in a drunken state. Absolutely. Uh, just, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with B, personally. Although, the, I guess the helicopter bit's throwing me off. I feel like it was just like a crane or something that would be very viable. But, you know, then you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's me, personally. Okay. okay. I, that's just I, what I imagine would be a fun activity. Yeah. I think Midwesterners love fireworks. They do. So, I'm thinking D. Like, mm-hmm. that seems the most like a Midwesterner. Okay. I feel like D sounds the coolest, so I hope it's D. Okay. I also agree with D. For a couple reasons. First of all, Midwesterners love destroying things, but I also don't think they're that skilled to reach a helicopter with a bow and arrow. So you, know, I, you think yeah. in general, yeah. Midwesterners are incapable of hitting a turkey with a bow and arrow from a distance. Well, from that distance. Yeah, before we know, I just want to also acknowledge a dressing <laughs> the turkey corpse up like a baby, lighting it on fire. And throwing the lit baby turkey down a football field. Well, it's not a baby turkey. It's a turkey dressed like a baby. Baby turkey. A baby, yeah. Well, I feel, you know, two baby different... Baby that is now... Turkey that is now baby. Turkey yeah. baby. Turkey, turkey baby. Turkey dressed baby. Baby. Yeah. Also, I couldn't imagine somebody trying to throw a full-size turkey like a football. Like, I feel like that's got to be really bad on the shoulder. True. Well, it depends on how big. You know. I was thinking like a full-size butterball turkey. Like, I couldn't throw that thing very far. Well, well, that's that's a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> Double hand. Is that is that the prompts problem? Or is that <laughs> I'll have to go home and buy a turkey and see how yeah, far I can throw it. It's like shot putt, you know, but with the whole Riley, thing. should we lock in an answer? Yeah. D. You heard it here first. All right. 
The answer is A, dressing it up oh. like a baby, lighting oh, it on my. fire, and then throwing it down a football field. Oh, Participants dress their turkeys in onesies, attach their birds to a long chain, douse it with lighter fluid, and sling it the length of a football field because that's what drunk people do in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. Cattle. Yeah. So there you go. Huh. I should have looked for a YouTube video on this. Should I? Yeah. Should, Seriously. Can we please? It's... That's the good thing about a podcast is it's actually a visual medium. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, now I'm just like, I, I need to know. Come on. Could be used in the court of law. Yeah. I can't believe this what is real. What are my real. search terms? Indianapolis. Baby turkey. Fire turkey. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything which, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything. Do you think people on the internet just lied? That's not possible. No. I don't, that, no, doesn't, that doesn't happen. Come on. I doubt that. All right. Thanksgiving in England was dedicated to fasting, prayer, and supplication to God. Why did it become a feast holiday featuring pilgrims and Native Americans dining together in the U.S.? Was it A, tourism, B, anti-immigrant sentiment, C, famine, or D, the pilgrims were just really cool and had a really chill vibe? It's not D. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm going to choose D for the, just because it says really chill vibe. Pilgrims, not so chill, but... I, I don't think their vibes were chill either. <laughs> no, I just like the phrase. Yeah, yeah. vibes, not chill, not yeah. cool. Well, B, personally. I feel right. like B is a good one. Not A. Ditto. It's not A. It's not A. It's not A. It's not C. I mean, you know. And B. The opposite. No, I'm not. I'm not declaring that it's not C. I'm oh. just wondering why you discarded that. Well, I mean, I guess it you you think it would be, be. kind of you think it would be kind of it would lack taste or something like oh, we had this famine. Remember when and we had then this we turned it into a feast see, holiday. I'm I mean, that's kind of gross. I'm going with C. Isn't that like the story that the like that they there was like fed a, us? Yeah. You buy that. Well. I mean, no, but like that's what it became a feast holiday because of like the folklore that they came and fed the people for famine. So I think I, I, it, it is famine. I, like, I think it's I think it is anti-immigrant sentiment. I feel like even if it is anti-immigrant sentiment, they wouldn't want to display that. They wouldn't be like, oh, this is the well, reason we have Thanksgiving. It. it would be, but that could be the reasoning behind it. Like it's you know it's there. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just give you the answer. The answer is A and B, although I can see an argument for C. Mm. It's both A and B, tourism cool. and anti-immigrant so sentiment. A little tourism. trick there. I didn't yeah, give you, you the... Yeah, you didn't give choose you that. all that apply. And That's there you interesting. Go again, there you go. <laughs> in 1769, a group of New Englanders in Plymouth felt that their cultural supremacy was waning mm. as New England's top, at New England's top spot among the colonies. Uh, and wanted tourists to come visit, so they started telling everyone that pilgrims were the fathers of America who loved a good feast. The idea really took hold in the 19th century when Americans were freaking out about Catholics and Jews immigrating to the U.S., mm. leading to propaganda about the founding of the country being Protestants and definitely not Jews and Catholics. Mm. So there you go. It's a fun holiday. It's a fun holiday. <laughs> know what I'm saying? Filled with anti-immigration sentiment. I don't see What's the problem? With all of this, Thanksgiving, no, this no. is, no. No. I do like the irony of having a holiday about, you know, immigrating to a new country and getting along with the locals and then causing it to be an anti-immigration sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Irony doesn't exist in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. just mean. Are we going to enjoy our Thanksgiving now? Absolutely we are. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Most you know, it's, it's what we're stuck with. <laughs> We're stuck with this problematic holiday. Let's just enjoy it.
as long uh, as there's good food there and good times and good family. And chill yeah. vibes. Yeah. And chill vibes. Chill vibes. I threw that in because that's what my daughter would say. Right. My 13 year old would say. But she's got really, really chill, chill vibes. vibe. Yeah. It's the vibe. She has chill <laughs> vibes. That's all I have for this show today. Noah, Riley, Ethan, Matt, thanks for being uh, here with me today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having us. And what kind of tragically burnt pecan pie would I be if I didn't thank you, Short Coats, for making us a part of your holiday week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Mm. You might not know we're on YouTube, but we are. Our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but In my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you, and I'm glad you're here, and other people are too.